Welcome back, Jack and Jills, once again to In The Sticks Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Williams. Thank you once again for letting me enter your ear holes and tell you about my overlanding trips. In this one here, episode two, we kind of go over the Memorial Day mishaps, what happened on the trip, and kind of go from there. So, hope you enjoy. Make sure you tell somebody about this uh, podcast. Let them know if you liked it. If not, maybe just keep it to yourself. Enjoy. Oh, get a good stretch in. Uh, it's time to get with it. I've been kind of uh, delaying this post-Memorial Day trip episode, mainly because I've been lazy. So I've decided to get in here now and get y'all guys some uh, some content. So to kind of start off, uh, you know, I guess post or recap of uh, last episode was just basically a preparation of what I was taking, uh, kind of the, the trip plans, you know, what they what they were. Um, so to give you the rundown with everything, met up with everybody on Saturday. Uh, we went riding around for probably, shoot, I don't even know. I guess we met about nine thirty or 10 o'clock that morning in the Wachita National Forest. Started there, went riding for, I would say probably a good four or five hours throughout there. Um, took a couple pictures. What well, wasn't very much of, uh, I guess you could say treacherous roads or anything like that. We took a lot of dirt roads, um, a few little smaller rocky spots, nothing, nothing major. I guess the, the, the main obstacle was just the dust from driving behind other vehicles, but, um, took a few pictures here and there, um, ended up setting up camp on kind of the top of a ravine, or I, I guess you could say a, a mountainside or a valley side. Um, wasn't really a, a good clearing to see anything, you know, out from us. We just decided it was, it was starting to get a little bit later. So we needed to find a campsite pretty quick. And we'd had a few uh, spots marked along that way. So we ended up finding that spot. It was a little bit uh, overgrown with grass. So we, we uh, come prepared with a weed eater and started clearing us out of spot and got everybody backed up and situated and Got the tent and everything set up as far as uh, for my situation because I was the only one with the rooftop tent. Everybody else was in tents or a just a cot out in the weather, which um, Eric, uh, one of the guys that went with us, he was the trooper in the cot staying out all night. I don't know how he did it because it, it was actually chilly that, that weekend. I think it was either, it was probably high 40s. No, I think it was uh, about, about mid-50s, I think. Maybe low-50s one night, that night. But uh, anyway, he slept on the cot. And uh, we ended up sitting around the fire, talking, eating, um, drinking a few brewskis, just kind of talking, discussing. And then uh, later on that night, we seen something uh, super crazy, which was... They said it was the the satellites, I guess the internet satellites that Elon Musk was, uh, I guess had sent out into space and they were orbiting. Because basically, if you've never seen it, you need to Google it and look up at what time, you know, that you'll be able to see them that night wherever you're at. Because that is the first time I'd say, I didn't know if it was UFOs or, you know, aliens or something like that. Because it was literally probably 15 to 20 of them in a line. You know, and they was there for probably, you know, 
five to eight seconds, you know, going across uh, the skyline in, in space or whatever. So it, it was definitely a little trippy to see that for the first time. But, you know, luckily a few of the guys kind of knew what it was. And I was like, you know, I, that, that's the first for me. I didn't even know anything about it, honestly. So anyway, that happened that night. Other than that, everybody pretty well, um, you know, hanging around, around the campfire, drinking a few brewskis, and everybody finally tapped out. I don't know. I couldn't even tell you what time. It, it had to be around midnight, if not later, for some of the other guys. But uh, me and, Zo and Zoe, the old dog, decided to hit the sack and go to bed. So we woke up next morning, uh, cooked breakfast, got the, uh, the fire put out, cleaned up, picked up your trash, uh, picked up your trash, picked up our trash, and then loaded back out for the day. And our plan was to, uh, to go through about another halfway section of the Wachita's and then head north into the Ozarks uh, to finish up camping uh, somewhere around there that night. So we headed out, uh, ended up taking a few more pictures. There was another spot, uh, an open area that we ended up finding later on that was an old, uh, I believe an old mining site that had a... Uh, you know, obviously just a, a pre-dug pond that had been there. And it was really open, and uh, you can see some of the pictures from that on my Instagram. But it was it is definitely a spot, a, spart, a spot that I've got marked later on to camp at because it is such an open area. Probably wouldn't be the best for a, a windy night or something like that, or maybe even a super cold night because you'll feel, feel every bit of the breeze there. But it, it's definitely wide open. And if you're wanting a starry night and, and super good wide open pictures, that's that was the place to be. So, like I said, we did take a few pictures there, uh, moved on from there up into the Ozarks, uh, and then had a spot up there around the Mulberry River. But we ended up seeing a lot of ATVs around the area. I'm sure somebody on here will know exactly what area I'm talking about, but I cannot think of the area because it has slipped my mind but anyway we started off uh off the main road there up into i would say the hardest uh or the roughest uh patch of road that we'd been to dirt road uh, on up you know till now on this particular trip um, that i wish i would air down for going up but i didn't know at the time so and it wasn't it wasn't too far of a stretch anyway so um, we had got up, up to the top of this and decided that uh, we, we'd found two campsites that were of interest. Uh, both were, uh, well, one of them was, was a, a little bit smaller of an area, so we went a little bit further off the road. Uh, and there was uh, two pretty big, uh, I guess you could say, fields that were where we had decided to stop at. Uh, one, uh, we just went back into the, in the very back side of it, uh, into the corner and... and uh, you know, start our firing and fire pit and everything there and decided to go ahead and get camp ready and then to go and ride a little bit later on because on that particular dirt road there that we was on, it did uh, continue further down. Um, so after we got tent and everything set up, we had to do a little bit of weeding and stuff there uh, because that grass was probably about knee, um, knee or thigh high. So it, it was a little bit more work than the last uh, pad that we had to work on. So we got it all cleaned up, got tent set up, and we decided we want to go back out riding again. And so we continued on down that stretch of the dirt road. Um, 
which was actually ended up being some of the more challenging. I say challenging. It was probably moderate, moderate stuff um, that I felt pretty comfortable with up until you got up to the end. We did in, in, uh, encounter a down tree, so we had uh, got the chainsaw out, started cutting on that. We ended up, uh, there was another group that come in, pulled in behind us of uh, uh, three different rigs. I think they were all Tacomas. I can't remember offhand. But anyway, they pulled up behind us, and then they uh, got their chainsaw out as well. We ended up getting the the uh, the tree off the road and then ended up trying to continue on further down uh, to what we realized, come up to another pretty steep uh, hillside that was had a, a fallen down tree on the top side, which was going to the left. Or you could take the right side and go down this other trail. But neither one of the paths uh, looked really... The right side one didn't look like it had been uh, drove on in a, in a few months for sure. Uh, and then, like I said, even you know 50 yards into it, it had a tree falling down on it. On the left side, it was super steep, super rocky. And it looked like somebody had cut just enough of the tree, basically for ATVs or UTVs to, to make their way up and through there. So we decided to do a turnaround spot there, head on back to camp. We started camp there. Uh, like I said, once again, opened up a few brewskis, sat around the campfire, uh, drank and ate. And uh, this night we was prepared for the satellites that was supposed to happen again at 930 because we was in a more open field. We could see them. And so, like I, like I said, once again, and I don't know how many total satellites there were um, this night. I don't know, you know, versus the first night. I don't know if we just didn't catch all of them. But this night, it seemed like there was 20 to 25 of them. And we could see it pretty much all the way across the sky as they was, you know, gravitating around the Earth. But like I said, once again, a, a super neat thing. If you've never seen it, like I said, just Google, uh, you know, when they will pass through your area at a certain time. It's something cool if, you, if you've never seen it. Uh, you know, in person at night. So then that next day we decided to pack up and everybody kind of head back on their own ways. Um, I left with another guy who was, uh, had kind of some clanking issues going on with his, um, which we thought it was the shock at the time that had come completely off of uh, his frame and so we thought that's what the clanging issue was so i was ready to head on back to the house anyway uh just to you know get stuff done washed up the the jeep and uh also grease my uh i guess you would call it this the steering brace um or steering it's basically a steering brace that holds you know your whole steering uh bracket into place uh, for the jeeps and uh, it had, you know, all sorts of dust and grime and stuff in there, I'm sure, from the last time. And it hadn't been greased a couple of times since I'd washed it and used degreaser up underneath everything to get all the dirt off. So it was a little bit squeaky, grinding type stuff. So I was kind of looking forward to getting home and getting everything rinsed off and to grease that, that back up. Um, so I was ready to leave. We ended up, me and him, going out as a pair because, you know, just in case something happened, I didn't want him to be stranded or left on the side of the road, whatever. So the other guys, they ended up going and eating at the local cafe that was nearby. And so me and him headed out and lo and behold, I mean, we was, I don't, we had probably been 15, 20 miles out of our, I wouldn't even say 15, 20 miles, 15, 20 minutes outside of our trip after we pretty much left the Ozarks and got going back on the freeway for a little while. 
And then he was on the radio and said, hey, my drive shaft's coming completely off. Pull over, pull over. So we yank over, and I back back up to him. And sure enough, his whole drive shaft had come completely off. Uh, I don't know if his, it, exactly what had happened. His U-joints or something like that popped off. And so we sat there, and with it being Memorial Day on Monday, I mean, there was hardly nothing opened at all. He'd called a, a portable, I guess it's a record tow service that they, you know, they can work on your stuff on the side of the road. So he called him, and he said, hey, I'm, I'm you know, about three hours out. And so we waited and waited for a little bit. I ended up leaving uh to head back home because the other group of guys had to come through that way anyway. So they just said, Hey, go ahead and go home. And then they ended up pulling there. So after, uh, I'd got back home, he ended up calling me later and said, uh, they ended up, uh, calling the, the tow guy back. And he said he was still about, I guess this was probably about two hours, two and a half hour mark. And he said he was still about two hours or so out. And so they ended up towing him, I guess, to the local, I don't remember what they said, the auto zone or something like that. And he was able to, to uh, luckily the, the, the U-joints or something like that was not pressed in there. So he was able to do it himself, fix it himself, and get back out on the road and also save himself a little money along the way. But nonetheless, it was a little bit of a, I guess, a trip or eye-opener for some of us. So, um, and it even this trip here, which wasn't a very um, extravagant trip, I guess you could say it, it still opened up my eyes to a few other, you know, basically recovery gear stuff that I need. And, uh, you know, a few other problems, um, as far like the Smittybilt air compressor was one, my ice chests were one with the ice chest situation. It was luckily I had enough food for breakfast and for whatever reason, I didn't eat the hash browns, but uh, ice ended up uh, poking a hole in the hash browns, which I later found out once I got home. And so they were nice and moist and soggy and, uh, which led me to, which actually I'd already purchased the rough country fridge, um, previously before this trip. Cause I decided it was going to be, you know, well worth it anyway, a $400 fridge, you know, why not? And this just obviously reiterated my idea of getting one. So I don't have to deal with moist, nasty food or melting ice, uh, or anything soggy. So it, the Yeti will basically be just be used for drinks, stuff like that, that, you know, maybe containers that will stay sealed and I don't have to worry about it. Um, and then obviously the fridge will probably sit inside the Jeep and keep all my food and stuff like that inside of it. The other issue I had was with the Smitty built air compressor, uh, air compressor, not necessarily, like not working or problems with it. Just, just kind of a hassle, uh, as far as airing up and airing down the little air down, uh, tool valves that I've got, they are preset. You basically just hook them up and you know, you set them yourself to whatever PSI you want and you kind of lock it in place. That way, every time you go in to deflate your tires, they will go down to a certain PSI, um, to what, you know, what you want to ride for that, that day or whatever. Um, but with the, the Smitty built compressor, the end uh, of the hose that hooks into your tires is a screw-on valve, which is a pain in the rear to do that. And then to check your tire pressure as you're airing, because it's not real time on the gauge. So you literally have to go and shut off the compressor, check the, the PSI, and then turn it back on if it needs more or let it out if it's too much. So you basically had to kind of babysit the um, air, air up situation. 
to make sure you don't overinflate anything. And so that was kind of a pain. So that's my plan in the future is to come up with, uh, which I've already got some sections cut previously. I just never followed through with it with doing, you know, basically a, a easier, like a lock on tire valve and then more of a real time PSI gauge. That way I don't have to keep turning the compressor on and off. And I haven't decided if I just want to do a two tire or a four tire, uh, type of deal. I guess it just depend on, you know, if I want to carry that extra, extra hose length, but um, I'm trying to think if there's anything other than those two that was really a big a big eye opener for me. I still need to get a spare tire, a 38 inch spare tire that I've, I've been trying to go used. And my rims have been a situation because evidently they don't sell them brand new anymore and they're custom painted. So I have to buy either just a basic aluminum or steel wheel and try to just custom paint it to match my wheels the best it can and then uh, buy a 38 inch for that to put on there or do I just kind of want to wait throughout the summer and end up buying new tires this winter and then going with and buying five tires then and then trying to figure out something with the the rim situation or just end up buying a new rim and tire set and either keeping the old ones for some dumb reason or trying to sell them so that's the other uh, situation as far as getting in and out of somewhere. But I think that's pretty well, I mean, it for the trip. Uh, you know, after I finished up with the trip, got back home, uh, rinsed off the Jeep, which is always lovely to get all the, the clay and mud and dirt and everything off of there. And, of course, my dog went with me, so the whole front seat was covered in dog hair. And my cheap old leather seats were torn. That's another thing that's on the agenda is to either buy the prp leather seat covers and go with those or just buy the smitty built gen 2 uh, neoprene seat covers and, and try those i'm just worried about the dog hair sticking in those worse uh because i don't know about the neoprene if, if it's better for dog hair or it doesn't do anything for dog hair because that's the whole point of trying to get rid of the cloth seats so dog hair don't stick in it so there'd be no point buying the neoprene seat covers if they're going to do the exact same thing so that's my dilemma now that I've been trying to figure out what to spend my money on because as everybody knows my pockets have been burning I've been looking to buy something I just haven't yet because I haven't figured out what I want to get so that is my time for today let's go ahead and wrap this episode up I don't want to bore you all to death once again thank you for listening and letting me enter your ear holes I appreciate it I'll see you on the next episode and get out in the national forest right around and get a little bit of mud on your truck peace out y'all